party people, it's your girl Liz Haftel here with another episode of Clumsy and Confused. This week, it's a good week. This week, it's Thanksgiving. I don't know about all of you, but I am a huge Thanksgiving fan because who doesn't love Thanksgiving food? This year, Thanksgiving is going to be much, much different for all of us. I know in our family, we're used to having a huge get-together, like, what, like 30 people at least? Um, But, you know, this year, it's just going to be the five of us here in Nashua. And that's where I am right now. I'm in Nashua. And that is where our amazing special guest lives. My personal hero, my mom, Claiming up. My mom, Patty Haftel, is here on the podcast. Mom, say hello to everybody. Hi, everybody, and thanks, Liz. That's a beautiful introduction. And so, as most of you know, my mom is just about the most amazing oh, human on the planet. Um, and in my book, there is no greater person oh, than Pat Haftel. So, thanks, sweetheart. we're happy that you that I forced you to do this by asking you to do this with me this morning. So, thanks, mom. Um, so, today, mom and I are going to talk everything Thanksgiving. Um, First, we're going to talk about the true story behind the first Thanksgiving. I'm not going to be like super violent because I know that there's a lot of, you know, horrible things that happened between English settlers and the Native Americans. Um, And I'm not going to go too much into that, even though we know that's a huge part of our country's history, Uh, just because I want to keep it a little light, you know, things are pretty dark right now. So we're going to keep it a little light. Um, But you know, we want to know the true story behind the first Thanksgiving, where current traditions came from, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because we know that Thanksgiving is the second most popular holiday in America after Christmas. All right, Mom. We're going to start off. Oh, I'm starting off right. So the, <laughs> the first Thanksgiving. So um, there is actually some debate as to technically when the first Thanksgiving actually happened. So many argue that a day of thanks um, feast occurred earlier than the event we actually learned about when we were in like elementary school and all that stuff. Um, and so there have been a ton of notations of Native Americans celebrating fall harvest for centuries. So they, you know, Native Americans had these massive celebrations in which they would celebrate um, and be celebrate their thanks and thanks to God for um, their fall harvest. So, you know, we don't know exactly when those happened because historically we don't have, you know, records of all of it. But we know that those notations were made. So um, another group that claimed to have the first Thanksgiving um, in 1565, there was a Spanish explorer, Pedro Menendez de Avila. And so he invited members of the local um, Timacua tribe. Did I? That sounded good, right? Yeah, it did sound good. Okay. Good job. To Makua tribe to a dinner in St. Augustine, Florida, after holding a mass to thank God for his uh, crew's safe arrival. So, you know, um, the the Spaniards are like, that was the first Thanksgiving, not what what we learn in um, U.S. history today. Um, There was also another event. So on December 4th, 1619, when 38 British settlers reached a site known as Berkeley 100 on the banks of Virginia's James River, uh, they read a a proclamation designating the day, um, that date, so December 4th, a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. So again, they were thanking um, God. They proclaimed this day to be, you know, a thanksgiving um, for allowing them to settle there. So, you know, controversial, but um, we commonly learn that the first Thanksgiving actually occurred in 1621. All right, Mama, you're up. So I want to talk about the pilgrims and who are the pilgrims. So they're a group of 
pilgrims um, actually formed in 1605. And pilgrims aren't exactly Puritans. They're um, separate. They're from the separatist congregation formed when groups of people in northern England decided to leave the Church of England. So a little background on the Church of England. This was their leaving the Church of England was technically illegal. All the people were required to attend every Sunday. My family would hate that. They never go to church by law. If they missed church on a Sunday, they were forced to pay a fine equal to about $20 in today's um, day and age. So it was a lot of money if you if you weren't going to church. So Especially people, if you weren't going every single week. Right. So... So a group of English settlers from this pilgrim group came to the U.S. aboard the Mayflower. Mm -hmm. We've all heard about the Mayflower. And the Mayflower departed from the port of Plymouth, um, Devon in England, in September of 1620 with about 102 passengers. All the passengers were seeking a world of religious freedom where they could practice and believe what they wanted to believe. So not follow the Church of England. So not, they're being essentially trying to escape the Church of England. Agreed. Got it. So um, after 66 days, the Mayflower dropped anchor on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. So um, they knew they landed in the wrong place, but had to hail around, oh, excuse me, had to sail around Cape Cod to get to the Massachusetts Bay because a river was in the area. So they landed... Just to give everyone a visual, they landed down around like where Falmouth is, and then they had to go up all the way around the hook um, to get into the Massachusetts Bay because they knew that that's where um, they were looking for the Hudson River, actually. Thank you, Elizabeth. Oh, my goodness. You're welcome, Pat. After one month or more, they crossed the Massachusetts Bay and landed on what is known as Plymouth um, in Plymouth, Massachusetts. So they named it Plymouth Mass because they departed from Plymouth, England. They're very creative. What so um, our forefathers' day is December twenty first because it's thought that the pilgrims set foot on Plymouth Rock on December twenty first in eight in sixteen twenty. So Plymouth Rock, for people that don't know, I mean we've been to Plymouth Rock. It's not anything to like write home about. It's right. very small, right, and very gross. Like so many people like write on it and put their gum on it and stuff to like commemorate that they were at Plymouth Rock, but it's not as exciting as it seems like it would be. Well, most of the settlers, when they got there, stayed actually on the ship. They lived there throughout the winter. Only half of them lived in the, um, lived into the spring, which is the sad reality, uh, because of different things like scurvy and frostbite and all those horrible things that people back there got and couldn't, there was no cure for it or no medication for it. Mm -hmm. So once they moved on to land, they were greeted by the uh, um, Abenaki yeah. Native Americans. Pilgrims did not wear buckled hats or dress only in white and black. The buckles did not come into fashion until later in the 17th century, and the pilgrims usually saved their formal black and white clothes white colors for a Sunday. So that's a myth that they were wearing like those bucket, those bucket hats with the giant. But they look good. Yeah, so, yeah. It's cute. It's a look. It's a fun thing to make. It's a look. Yeah, we all made them. Yeah. Um, so 
All right, we talked about the pilgrims. Now we have to talk about the Native Americans who were involved in the first Thanksgiving. So in March of 1621, um, so now the pilgrims are actually on land, The about half of them that survived through the winter. So now they're back on land, and they're visited actually by um, a Native American named Squanto. So Squanto is a Native American from the Pawtuxet tribe. And so this um, gentleman actually essentially saved the pilgrims. None of the, this settlement would have been able to survive without this guy, Squanto. So um, Squanto, whose formal name is Tisquantum, is an amazing human. In his early life, he was actually captured by the English explorer Thomas Hunt and sold into slavery to the Spanish in Malaga, Spain. So, you know, he all these this English explorer came to America, came and invaded his Pawtuxet tribe, took a bunch of them as slaves and How brought horrible. them back to, brought them back to Europe and then sold them to people in Spain. How horrible. Horrible. Awful. Um so actually uh Squanto was able to escape from slavery and got himself back to England where he smuggled himself onto another exploratory ship to America so that he could get home to his family. So how crazy though then he was willing to help the same people that took him as a slave and helped them to survive. Yeah. There was a different group of people, of individuals, but right. still that same, same, same... From the same area, same they're same. all English settlers. Right, so, right. Yeah, that's a good point, Mom. That's a good point. Um, so, you know, Squanto just seems like a really stand-up dude. <laughs> so he actually, after he smuggled himself onto the ship, he, like, revealed himself that he was there, and, of course, he made friends with all the English settlers on that, on that ship, because he was like, all right, if you guys help me, I'm going to help you. Yeah. Um, and so with those English settlers, he was like, okay, like I'll, I'll help you navigate all of this land once we get back to America. Um, so unfortunately, when they landed again and Squanto went to the land of his Pawtuxet tribe, his entire tribe had been wiped out by an epidemic, by an illness. So, yeah, really, really horrible. Did the English bring the illnesses to them? To both. The- both. Okay. So, okay. like, they were talking about um, different illnesses, like, the, so, like, the Black Pit. The Black Plague and stuff like that the English were bringing over, but there were a bunch of like, um, you know, mosquito, um, oh, okay, mosquito, um, spread diseases and like malaria and mal- stuff yeah. like that that came from well, malaria wouldn't survive, they wouldn't survive. We don't have malaria here. Oh, I'm, we never sorry. Had malaria. I'm sorry, you're an engineer, it's fine. Um, <laughs> so but, um, you know, other diseases and you know, infected water and everything like that. So, um, yeah, so. When he, again, when he landed, his entire tribe had been wiped out. But Squanto found another tribe in the area, and I'm going to do my best. Wampanoag. That's how we learned how to pronounce it, right, Mom? Wampanoag. So the Wampanoag um, tribe is very important to this story and is important to the history of um, New England. Um, So Squanto ended up joining the Wampanoag tribe, which is how he ended up meeting the pilgrims in 1621. And so with the Wampanoag tribe, Squanto essentially taught these pilgrims um, how to do everything to survive. So he showed them how to plant and harvest corn. He showed them which other plants they could eat. So like what other fruit, because, you know, they're coming from England. Sure. They, there's a lot of different plants in England than there are here in New England. Sure. Um, and so he showed them which plants they could eat um, and which ones they should avoid, which ones are poisonous. He also showed them how to fish. They knew how to hunt because they had similar like deer and fowl and stuff like that. 
in England, but they weren't aware of how to fish and what they could fish and, and eat here in the U.S. Well, not in the U.S. yet, but in this new settlement. Um, so another thing that Squanto did is he helped the settlers um, forge an alliance with the Wampanoag. So, you know, when the settlers first arrived here, the Wampanoag were the tribe that were um, living in that area. And so... Um, because Squanto knew English, because he had been captured by the English, he learned their language, he was able to kind of be the translator between um, the Wampanoag tribe and the English settlers. So he was like, yo, settlers, we'll be cool to you if you're cool to us. Very and so yeah. um, the Wampanoag at that time was led by the chief Massasoit. And I've seen that everywhere in Massachusetts, that name Massasoit. Um, so he was the chief at the time. And so that alliance would endure for more than 50 years. Um, and it tragically remains as one of the sole examples of harmony between European colonists and Native Americans. So at this time right here, these two groups of people are nice to each other for yeah. 50 years. Yeah. The issues began when this Massasoit guy unfortunately passed away in the, I think it was in the, he lived for a long time because it was like in the 1650s. So this alliance did last for a while. So for a while, it was peaceful between these two tribes. In other areas, I'm sure that there were other wars going on between Native Americans and settlers from Europe. Sure. But at this time, um, we can say that this was actually not maybe not exactly what we tell people, you know, not exactly the beautiful harmonious story that we tell them. Um, but at at this time, this was this was good. This was good. So, so I'm going to talk about the the first Thanksgiving, and the first Thanksgiving was in November of 1621. That's when it was recorded, mm -hmm. and the governor of the settlement, William Bradford, called for a feast to celebrate a successful harvest, thanks to the teaching of Squanto. So this was technically a religious celebration, thanking God for helping them survive and having a good harvest that year. Yeah, so Th Thanksgiving was originally a religious holiday. It was a religious holiday, yeah. right. And uh -huh. it was, um, so per a recorded firsthand account, the Pilgrim settlers and about 90 Native Americans from the Wapanog tribe. Wapanoag. Wapanoag tribe, thank you. Feasted together for three days. That's kind of my kind of feast. But they didn't eat turkey like we always think about Thanksgiving. They ate things like geese and deer mm -hmm. and tons of seafood was there too, but there weren't any potatoes. There wasn't any sausage, Nona sausage stuffing. Oh, I can't wait for Nona sausage stuffing. None of that good stuff that we're used to here. So maybe there were some pumpkins and other fruits, but not much. Uh, mostly it was the deer and, and um, things of that so sort. So dad would love it because it was a meat lover. It was a meat lover Thanksgiving. <laughs> and while it sounded nice that the pilgrims invited the, the Wampanoag to come to the feast with them, it was really said that when the pilgrims were celebrating their su successful harvest, they were started to fire guns and cannons in Plymouth. And the noise kind of alarmed the ancestors of the that Wampanoag nation who went to investigate. And when they went to investigate, that's how the native people came to be um, present at the first Thanksgiving. They invited them. They all came to see what the shooting and the cannons and all of that was about. And when they arrived, they were invited to enjoy, enjoy um, the feast for three days. Wow. Nothing so like deer for three days. Nothing like deer for three days. But it's so that's interesting too, because you're like, okay, like these two people are settled on this land. It's like, okay, the, you know, um, 
it's not that they all decided to enjoy this feast together. The pilgrims were kind of being rowdy, and the Wampanoag was like, "Who? hey, who's having a party over here? And then they all, like, ni- I think that it was, like, 90 of them, you said, right? Yes. So 90 of them um, came on over, and then they were like, oh, you're here? Let's eat. And then they kept, like, I think the story I read is that they kept, like, hunting, because they were having such a good time, they kept hunting, and so they um, kept getting more food. And also they brought beer over on the Mayflower, so... They were drinking beer. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting, right? That is interesting. Anyway, sorry. Well, now comes 1623, and there was a second Thanksgiving celebration to again celebrate another successful harvest. The pilgrims would fast before they feasted because, again, it was a religious holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they basically, they didn't celebrate this every year. They celebrated the one in 1621 because right. they had a successful harvest. 1622 must have been, like, low-key. So then in 1623, they decided to do it again, huh? Yep. Okay. Yep. Got it. So um, the Plymouth Plantation still exists. Oh, I mean, did you take us on our field trip there? Probably. Probably (laughs) been there, Mom. Mom, my parents were the chaperones for, I think, every single field trip that I ever went on. That was probably when I had a sick kid and I had to sit on the bus with a sick kid. Oh, probably was. Yeah, (laughs) I remember that. So basically Plymouth Plantation um, is a living museum to the settlement. So they still have all of the houses set up and that you can like experience Plymouth Plantation and like live like a pilgrim for a day. Um, But that still is there. Um, And so randomly throughout time, there would be days of giving thanks, um, you know, after this uh, 1623 Thanksgiving, there would be random days of giving thanks, but they, there's no specific day identified to be like, okay, we're going to give thanks on this day every single year. Right. It was just like, okay, we're successful. Let's give a day of thanks. And they didn't call it Thanksgiving either. Um, but basically they're thankful for the harvest and, um, yeah. So it's still not a formal holiday at this point. So you want to talk about this next part, Mama? Sure. So upon establishment of the U.S. through the Revolutionary War, the the first few presidents were designated random days of thanks. They would go through and and randomly select certain days. George Washington gave a speech on a day of thanks for independence, and that happened in November, on November 26th. That was in 1789. Mm -hmm. Then Thomas Jefferson refused to regard any days of thanks because of the separation of state and church. As Thanksgiving is giving thanks to God. That's how they saw it. So he didn't want it to be a religious holiday. He wanted the separation of church Church and and state. state. Okay. Which who can, who can begrudge that? That is, but, um, New York is actually the first of the several states to officially adopt a specific day, a specific Thanksgiving, and that was in 1817. Uh, other states celebrated on different days. However, um, the Americans in the South remained largely unfamiliar with the tradition, maybe because it was up in Plymouth in, in the northern states and mm-hmm. the Revolutionary War and maybe a little disdain from that as well and yep. a little animosity. Right. But um, so the, the Americans in the South, it was they did not they were not known to celebrate it as they did in the North. Mm-hmm. But then um, in the middle of the American Civil War, Abraham Lincoln prompted by a series of edit, um, editorials written by Sarah Josepha Hale. Good job, Mom. <laughs> proclaimed a national uh, Thanksgiving Day. So it was who else but Abraham Lincoln who gave us Thanksgiving, and he made it a federal holiday on the 26th, the final Thursday of um, of the month of November, and that happened in 1863. 
So in, in Sarah's letter, she stated that the holiday would unite the North and the South. That's why she wanted to make it a federal holiday. It would unite them all. And she referred to, she's now actually referred to as the mother of Thanksgiving. Sarah Josepha Hale, we like you, girl. Never heard of her before, but I guess she's the mother of Thanksgiving. And apparently she wrote, Mary had a little lamb, too. Wow, what a gal. <laughs> Thanksgiving, Mary had a little lamb. <laughs> so then Abe scheduled Thanksgiving for the final Thursday in November. So, but in 1941, Franklin D. Roosevelt officially signed a bill that made Thanksgiving the fourth Thursday of November. So then it became official. Mm -hmm. He tried to move it up a week to increase Christmas shopping and help finances during the Great Depression, but no one wanted that. Everyone still wanted to give thanks on that fourth Thursday of November. And that's how it's been ever since, Liz. So thanks to Abe Lincoln. Uh, Abe Lincoln is the one who made it a federal holiday, and then FDR is the one who's like, okay, let's make it, you know, Abe Lincoln said the last, I think he said the last Thursday of the of November every year would be Thanksgiving. And then FDR was like, well, let's just say the fourth Thursday because he wanted to be a little different. And he wanted credit. <laughs> FDR wanted credit. Um, all right. So that's like the fun history, but not so fun history. Just a little brief overview. So since 1970s, uh, 1970s, protesters have gathered on um, Thanksgiving Day. Um, at the top of Coles Hill, which overlooks Plymouth Rock, to commemorate a national day of mourning. And similar events are held in other parts of the country. Actually, on the West Coast, they call it Unthanksgiving Day, and it's actually Unthanksgiving Day protest is held on Alcatraz every single year on Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. um, so this particular event, this um, da national day of mourning, is held by the United American Indians of New England. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's a, you know, a group that supports um, the Native American tribes that we have in New England. Um, and that's because they do not believe in the celebration of Pilgrim's Landing in the United States. They don't believe in the celebration that we should be celebrating any of this um, because of all of the struggles that have occurred between Native Americans and the settlers that have arrived here. Um, and so basically they are celebrating this National Day of Mourning to honor all of the Native Americans and all the struggles that they've endured. And I honestly, like all the stuff that you hear in the news still is that all of these Native American tribes are still struggling today, however many years How later. sad. It's very mm. sad. Um, so there is a plaque there on Coles Hill in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Um, and on that plaque, it says, To them, Thanksgiving Day is a reminder of the genocide of millions of their people, the theft of their lands, and the relentless assault on their cultures. Participants in National Day of Mourning honor Native American ancestors and the struggle of Native peoples to survive today. It is a day of remembrance and spiritual connection, as well as a protest of the racism and oppression which Native Americans to continue continue to experience. So I think that this is an important thing for us to know um, because when I was like reading about this mom, they said that a lot of Native Americans do um, still participate in Thanksgiving Day celebrations. But, but you know, they still like to recognize the fact that this genocide did happen. And that's truly what it is, is genocide when you read about all these battles between the settlers and the Native Americans. So, um, yeah, important, important, uh, Thing to mention for sure, but let's change the mood a little bit, Mama. Talk about some fun facts. Let's talk about some fun facts. So, Thanksgiving is the busiest travel day of the year. I think a lot of us know that. Maybe mm -hmm. not this year, but it usually is. Mm -hmm. uh, with regard to turkeys, only male turkeys gobble. They call uh -huh. them gobblers. 
So only the male really gobbles. Both male and female turkeys have that red thing that hangs off their neck called the snood. They so it like starts out their beak. Yeah, it's, it's so, so ugly. Yeah. Baby turkeys are called poults. Like poultry. Pults. Yeah. Very cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. No. So Americans consume around 46 million turkeys on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> oh, my God. Av- the average turkey consumed in the U.S. is 15 pounds. So how many pounds of turkey is that? That's that's a lot of that's turkey. That's like 600 million pounds of turkey. <laughs> I think that's probably going to be the average for this year, too, because there are not going to be those big family gatherings. Yeah, they're going to be. So the average might go down, too. Yes. Like little, yeah. or tur- little or turkeys yep. for individuals, people. Um, is turkey what usually makes you tired on Thanksgiving, Liz? <laughs> so this is actually very interesting because I always thought that, you know, everyone was like, oh, there's a ton of tryptophan in turkey. So that is what makes you tired and that's what induces drowsiness. But actually it's not – that's not true. That's not true, Mama. Because did you know that actually tryptophan is present in all poultry? So, you know, they're like, okay, if you think that turkey makes you so tired, all poultry would actually make you tired as well. So um, turkey actually has less tryptophan in it than chicken. So, therefore, um, people do not get turkey turkey tired. <laughs> they get tired because of overeating. So overeating in general makes people really tired. Oh, and that's why you that. feel like you need a nap. So it, it's not because of the turkey. Fun fact. Well, the, most people need naps because they're busy cooking all the time. Yeah, you. So then we have the Thanksgiving Day Parade. I know that's a favorite of my, my Walsh's. Uh-huh. And um, that started in 1924 as a pre-Christmas parade. The, um, the only older Thanksgiving parade, parade is one in Detroit. That was the first parade used that used all animals. No, from no, no. The, no read that minute. again. So the the Thanksgiving the first Thanksgiving Day parade in, in 1924. She's. I'm sorry. She's she's holding herself to a very high standard here. Go ahead, go ahead. No, you read. I just wanted you to reread that sentence. So the the first parade. So the first Macy's Day parade. What did they have there, Mom? In the first Macy's Day well, Thanksgiving they used, Day parade. They used animals from the Central Park Zoo. So there the, you go, Mom. so that was pretty cool. And in 1927, the large balloons um, made their debut in the parade. And now it's the largest parade in the world. So approximately 50 million people watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on television. That's crazy. Um, There are many regulations Mm -hmm. um, to ensure the safety of the parade because they had three incidences in which a balloon knocked over a street lamp and caused some injuries. And all that happened in 93 and in 97 and 2003. So they had some crazy things happen. Yeah. So they now have... A lot of us, a lot of regulations. So that regu- in 1997, actually, the incident that happened in 1997 actually made them make a law um, as to how big the balloons could be. Because up until 1997, the balloons could be whatever size people wanted. Wow. So they had to make some regulations for safety. Wow. And this year, because of COVID, of course, it's going to be different. They're going to have a TV special instead. 
And the parade is still happening, but no one can actually attend it. So mm-hmm. that's really sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has to watch it on TV, which so is the, a bummer. So the people are going to be there doing the parade, but the, there's no right. spectators. Right, no spectators, just like everything else, right? Yeah. Um, the, the full route is not being utilized either. They'll do a, a smaller route. So for us who watch it on TV already, nothing will change except you won't have the excitement of the crowd, which is fun to watch those, everybody enjoying it. and, and, and um, Yeah. So it, it is what it is, but such a bummer. But um, the balloons will be handled by vehicles rather than people. There'll be no bans from high schools or colleges. That that's that's sad. But the people will be invited back for 2021. Okay. So let's get rid of 2020 and hope 20. Well, 2021 has to be better. Yep. So no one under the age of 18 will be involved in the parade at all, mm-hmm. trying to protect our our younger people. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Friday. Isn't just another business for retailers. Now we're going to talk about Black Friday. This is a really random fact. So, Liz, you talk about it. So, Black Friday, actually, from um, a business perspective, this is, I didn't write this down, but Black Friday was actually um, started in the 1930s for to um, make people want to go shopping and spend all of their money on one day because they're like, oh, let's put all the sales on one day so that we can make so much money on this one day. And then, like, they inducing that, like, um, intensity of like, I got to get there. I got to get the deal. I got to get this toy. That was the intention of Black Friday and, and setting all those sales to be one day. Um, so yeah, people spend a lot of money on Black Friday, but Black Friday isn't just for big business. It isn't just a big business day for retailers. Did you know, mom, that Black Friday is the busiest day of the year for plumbers? Only because I read it. And, uh, you know, so the day after Thanksgiving is the busiest day of the year for, um, for plumbers because people do stupid stuff to their drains. So number one, people are eating a lot, so they're doing a lot of something else, you know. But also people mess up and they pour all of their they pour all of their like extra food down their sinks and down their garbage disposals when they shouldn't, including all of the cooking oil. So cooking oil causes so much damage to your pipes. So um here's our little PSA of the of the week, mom, is don't pour your cooking oil straight down your drain. <laughs> um or else you will also be calling a plumber on the busiest plumber day of the year. <laughs> All right, Mom, what's this next fact? Well, it's really kind of fun because it's it's true for me as well. But 81% of Americans in a, in a Harris poll back in 2015 said that that um, 81% of Americans preferred leftovers of Thanksgiving meal rather than the meal itself. I agree. You know, I, I enjoy that as well. You know why we agree, Mom? Because we love mayo. And you get to put mayo on turkey <laughs> I sandwich. do love mayo. I love mayo, too. Uh, love but mayo traditionally, too. the Wednesday before Thanksgiving is the highest day for bar sales in the country. More than St. Patrick's Day. More than, you know, New Year's Eve or anything like that. Let's talk pies. Okay. Okay. You don't want to talk booze? No. Okay. While pumpkin pie is most frequently associated with Thanksgiving, it is not the favorite. Not for me either. Mm-hmm. Apple pie is overwhelmingly the, the highest rated pie in the U.S. I would, I would agree with that for sure. Now, now let's talk football and Thanksgiving. So the first Thanksgiving football game was in 1876, and it was Yale versus Princeton. It so was they, a college game. So they always had college games on Thanksgiving, it sounds like. 
And since 1876. Because the NFL was not invented. It was not a thing then. So millions of Americans uh, tuned in to watch football on Thanksgiving every day. And it's all started. Every day? Every year. I'm sorry. <laughs> Million, millions of Americans tune in to watch football on Thanksgiving every year. Sorry, folks. And it's all started because the owner of the Detroit Lions uh, wanted to promote the game in his baseball-obsessed city and convinced NBC to broadcast the games. Wow. So That's cool. <laughs> ever since that first NFL broadcast, it was actually in 1934, the Lions have played on every Thanksgiving, um, except, of course, when was World War II. So basically, I think that what I read, Mom, is that um, so this guy, the guy who owned the Lions, convinced NBC to put the Detroit, put his team right. on television on Thanksgiving right. because it was a federal holiday and no one was working. So more people would watch the game and support the Lions and then he would make more money because they were playing on Thanksgiving as opposed to on a Sunday where more people were working or going to church or something like that. Very so, interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So then the Dallas Cowboys joined this um, in a uh, tradition back in the 60s. And uh, America has most post-dinner plans figured that out ever, ever since. since. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, so we have the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys, which we don't really have good feelings about the Dallas Cowboys in this home. But, you know. Because they're in the East. Yeah, because like they're in the NFC East and, and we, we are, are we, we're in giant we're Giants fans, but don't hold that against us. Actually you can't hold us that against us because they do not they haven't been good in a long time. So anyways. Anyways. So that was a bunch of fun facts about Thanksgiving, Mom. It was. This year's gonna be different, but we all have a lot to be thankful for. We do have a lot to be thankful for, Mom. Yes, very, and it's it is going to be hard not to be with my my mom or my in laws or any of my family, my siblings or in my extended and family and our cousins and our little people. It's just a bummer. Yeah. It's just a bummer. It As a bummer. everyone is experiencing, everyone is experiencing it, and we are very lucky in that our family is very healthy. Right. Um, and you know that's not a sorrow that we have. We're very very lucky because many families are, you know, missing a lot of people that should still be there this year. Um, and so you know, we we have to be extremely thankful for that. And we know that we're this is the right choice by having everyone you know be safe during Thanksgiving. We can help get back to our new normal even faster, hopefully. So um, we hope that everyone is safe and everyone is happy um, this Thanksgiving. And you know. Yeah. Thanks, Liz, for letting me do this with you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Mom, thanks for coming on the podcast, Mom. Loved it. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. So, people, did you learn something new today? I sure hope so. Join us next week for another episode of Clumsy and Confused. Mm-hmm.